What up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to another episode of Combo's Court and I am Combo. This is episode 157. If you didn't know, we're out here, man. Hope everybody's staying safe. Today's show, Jeff Goodman, who's a college basketball analyst for Stadium, formerly of ESPN, joins in. Um, a great conversation with Jeff. Think you guys are going to really enjoy this one. Let me know how you feel about this episode right in the comments section of your Apple podcast at rate and review wherever you listen to combos court and share this episode with a friend because it's a good one man jeff and myself discuss jalen green signing to the g league pathway program we also talk about the hbo special the scheme what the nba draft process might look like this year even though it might not be much of a process and much much more you can find jeff on twitter at goodman hoops that's g-o-o-d M-A-N-H-O-O-P-S. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Goodman, college basketball insider, college basketball analyst for Stadium, formerly of ESPN. Welcome to Combo's Court, man. How are you feeling? I am, uh, you know, getting through this like everybody, right? Not not ideal circumstances, but uh, life goes on and we try to stay safe and hope that this thing will uh, will turn a little bit in the next couple of weeks and we can uh, get back a little bit to a, to a state of normalcy, but I don't know. Jeff, let's talk about you first. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize how much a college basketball insider such as yourself really is on the phone, tied to your phone, always making calls. You know, it's it's a really busy time. So how have things changed for you during these times? Sucks for my wife and daughter more than anything. You know, they, they, <laughs> they ask me, they're like, you want to watch a TV show now? You know, we watch a couple together. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I sit in the couch and I'm like, not really into it. It's one of those that you... You know, so they've started whatever it is. Some show we started a week ago. They've given up on me at this point, and uh, and don't <laughs> even wait. So, um, you know, I I think it, it the only way it's changed, Andrew. Honestly, for me, is instead of being at games over the last month or so, or at least for that month stretch when the NCAA tournament and really the uh, you know uh, conference tournament started, I, I was home. But it was it was even busier in a sense because you had more transfers early. Um, you had all these kids declaring for the draft. I was trying to write other stories. Uh, I'm doing podcasts, and instead of doing two a week, I found myself doing three a week. So the only thing I guess was different, again, was I was home. So instead of – when I'm on the road for these the tournaments and whatever, it, it's just me. So I can work 24-7, and I don't stop other than the travel. And even on planes, I'm doing work. Where at home, obviously – you know, I'm spending some time with the family, especially with everything that's going on. I'm taking the dog for multiple walks. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess, you know, that and, and the coaching carousel wasn't as heavy this year as it usually is. So only about, you know, 20 some odd job openings, largely because of the coronavirus. Uh, so that was a little bit slower, but transfers were higher. 
kids declaring for the draft is, is going to be about the same. And, uh, you know, I was doing other things, writing stories, again, doing podcasts, doing interviews for draft stuff. So, uh, yeah, it was still crazy. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I'd like to hear your reaction to when you heard um, March Madness was canceled. I was a little bit surprised that they didn't postpone it, but I, I get it. I mean, listen, nothing was going to change. I just felt like they didn't have to cancel it at that moment. They could have waited another month, and they would have done it a month later, so it didn't matter. Yeah. The only thing I would have liked to have seen was them have some sort of announcement of who made the NCAA tournament. You didn't have to have a bracket. You didn't even have to have seedings. But why not say, hey, listen, these are the 70 teams. Maybe don't even put it at 68. Here are the 70 teams that we know. Uh, let's put NCAA tournament uh, next to their names at this point. And uh, I, I just feel bad for the Lamar Stevenses of the world, for the Rutgers fans and players and Steve yeah. Michael. Some of the guys that 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 earned it and, and really wanted to at least see their name and, and, and maybe hear their name called. But, I, you know, I get it to some extent, all the 10 committee – um, members had to go back and deal with bigger issues on their campuses as athletic directors or whatnot. Uh, but I don't think it would have been that hard to pick. You and I could have picked 70 teams. And maybe, again, there might have been 71 and 72 that would have been upset. Uh, but I just think it would have been nice to, to kind of give those teams and those players the, the credit they deserved. Most definitely. Uh, Jeff, man, this uh, G League Pathway program is getting a lot of attention. Uh, people are saying it's the end of the NCAA. Uh, <laughs> you don't seem to feel that way. I thought it was a great deal for Jalen, but, I mean, great. like he wasn't going to get that money overseas. Um, RJ and Melo weren't making that kind of money overseas. Um, was this a statement by Adam Silver? And just what are your thoughts on it, man? Yeah, I I'm kind of with you. I mean, I think for Jalen Green – good opportunity if you don't want to go to college you don't want to uh you know be in classrooms I didn't want to be in classrooms when I was at Arizona I, I went to probably right. I don't even want to tell you the percentage of classes I I, I attended at Arizona so I get it <laughs> um, and it's even harder now probably for these kids to focus but you know to me again there should be options you wonder if Adam Silver at all was feeling like okay you know a couple of years ago when he came out and he said uh you know, and let's get rid of the one and done and, and let's get high school players. You know, it sounded like it was going to happen at some point. And maybe you, you wonder if either this is a bargaining chip that he's going to use um, or with a players association, or he felt like maybe he screwed up with that. And, and they don't want kids coming out of high school anymore. And they want him to go to this developmental program before they, because there aren't many LeBrons. Let's face it. Like I wrote a column, um, College basketball made it without LeBron James. Like, I think they can make it uh, without some of these guys. And we all thought that this would already be in place this year where we wouldn't have Jalen Green and nine or ten other guys coming out of high school. We thought, you know, the, the rule would already be in place. So nobody's going to miss, honestly, nobody's really going to miss Jalen Green. We didn't miss LaMelo Ball or R.J. Hampton. They were probably two lottery picks that are coming up in the draft. So – we're not going to miss Isaiah Todd and Jalen Green. Now, will we miss it when, when the rule changes or if they start going next year to, you know, 10 or 12 kids uh, trying to do this? Yeah, I mean, it'll have an impact. But, again, we survived without uh, LeBron and six or seven more guys every single year uh, before the rule changed to, to the one and done, uh, you know, back 15 years ago. 
What do you think about when you comparing him to like a Cade Cunningham? Like, who do you feel is the better uh, NBA prospect? I think Cade's a better college player for sure. Like, I got Oklahoma State. I'm gonna I'm gonna update my top 25 here uh, soon, and I got them right in the top 20, like at 25, just because of Cade. Honestly, I just think that kid is a winner. He has all the intangibles. Jalen Green looks the part more of an NBA guy, right? He's got the upside. He's got the athleticism. Yeah. Yeah, uh, all of that. But Kate is just a effing killer and, and a leader and all the intangibles can make people better. Can he looks like a pro already. Yeah, like, he is. Like, I mean, yeah, he can go in. I think he could play in the league already yeah, and not so embarrass himself. I think Jalen Green, it's going to take time. I think, again, his upside is probably a little bit higher and the NBA guys will probably be oohed and odd a little bit more uh, by Jalen Green. But if I want a guy to win a college game, uh, it's Kate Cunningham over anybody else in that, in that class, and it's not even close for me. Right, I'm with you. I'm with you there. Jeff, a few days ago I saw the scheme. Did you get to see it? I did. I did. I saw it. And, uh, you know, the, the, the most interesting thing for me was the phone calls, right? We all wanted to see, hear the phone calls from Will Wade and Sean Miller, and they waited like 100 minutes, two-hour two hour deal. <laughs> and I think they waited like literally, I, you know, I'm, I'm texting Jeff Borzello, my buddy, like, halfway through I'm like this thing is boring like I, it, it just seemed to me like it was a paid defense for Christian Dawkins and he did get paid I don't know how much it was I've heard several figures a low ball figure of 50 grand uh, well go for it well, good for him, well. you know? yeah so yeah. listen good for him I think he's a con man uh, but that doesn't mean he wasn't wrong by all this because ultimately he should not be uh, potentially going to jail uh, but it, I think he is a con man. I think this was his defense. This was his side of the story. And, and there was more than that. But, you know, obviously the, the phone calls with, with Will Wade and Sean Miller were a little bit, um, I don't know. I mean, again, people that hadn't, my wife was watching it with me and she was like, oh my God, I can't believe they're still employed. And I looked over, I'm like, well, there's really nothing new that, that's come out of this at the end of the day. The only difference is we're hearing it instead of seeing it and you're hearing the f-bombs by sean miller over yeah, and, yeah, over yeah. and over, right i mean <laughs> i know john i went to arizona uh, we actually didn't talk for about a year we're back okay again now but i know that's how he talks so it didn't surprise me it just again for the casual fan who watched that i think they were blown away but there was nothing new in there that i think would determine uh, lsu or arizona saying okay now we have to fire will wade or sean miller i think that's going to come potentially when the NCAA eventually, and it could be a long, long time, uh, hits these schools with their penalties. And, uh, you know, depend how bad it is, whether they make a move or not. Yeah, I mean, Christian, Christian's point is, is that, like, he doesn't think coaches are wrong by paying players, you yep. know? I mean, he yep. just feels like it's the right thing to do. I mean, everybody's making a lot of money. What are your thoughts when he says that? Yeah, I, listen, I get it, but those are the rules. Right. I mean, yeah. those are the rules we're living by, whether you agree with it or not. You know, the book Richardson's and those guys, should they have gone to jail? Hell no. Should they have been fired? Yeah. By the letter of the law, they, they should have been fired probably for taking the money uh, and, and steering players to, to certain agents or whatnot. And uh, but I think ultimately for, for book Richardson to spend a day in jail was a complete joke and a waste of time for the FBI. Yeah. For sure, for sure. NBA draft process. Um, people are testing the process, but I'm not really sure what this process will be. Um, there won't be a combine. And I think it's funny to see, like, when we see this draft and, there, and, we, and I want to see the hit or miss rate 
of, of this draft. It'll be really interesting because I think a lot of teams might change their views on how to deal with things and how they'll look at the combine if, like, the hit-miss rate is somewhat the same. Yeah, I, I actually don't mind this, that there's going to be hopefully no combine. and, and not yeah, We're not testing wingspans and uh, jumping over, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> Let's actually evaluate the players on the games that they play. Whoa, what a, what a novel concept, right? I mean, I, it's a great opportunity to just go back and watch college basketball games. Yes, you know? yes no doubt. I, I got no problem with this whatsoever. I mean, testing the waters, it's, it, it's shallow because there's no real waters to test this year. And the players I've talked to, I've talked to Io. Uh, Desumu, uh yesterday and, and he said listen I'm trying to stay in shape the best I can I don't know what to expect uh, you know the, the first step is going to be once the, the list comes out in about a week and a half of the underclassmen by the NBA then the NBA is going to be allowed to do the zoom calls with the kids and, and that's kind of the first step and other than that you know the, the deadline to withdraw is early June the big question is does the NBA push that back or does the NCAA push that back so that if the draft is pushed back, which we expect it to be. I think that's a definite. I mean, that's, that's, I do too. I think you're right. I think the draft should be pushed back. And if it does, the problem is if you push it back for a kid to decide, right? Let's say you push it back from June, whatever it is, second or third till July second or third. Uh, How much, how much longer can these kids wait before they have to make a decision in their future because they got to decide mentally too. Am I going back to school or am I not? We're we're talking about July at this point. I got to make a decision for my peace of mind here whether I'm going to go back or not. Yeah, Cole Anthony, man, uh, he just made it official. I think we all knew he was leaving, yeah. but it feels like he slipped a little bit. What did you make of this season and just what Cole Anthony has done so far with uh, college basketball and where he's heading? Yeah, I think it was a combination, right? It was, uh, number one, he wasn't as good as we thought he was. Number wow. two, he didn't play with good yeah. enough players. You know, I had yeah. him as like, the, the spacing wasn't there. Like, he won't – he'll have a lot more spacing in the league, so. I, I still think he's got some uh, Austin Rivers to him. Really? And, and Austin has matured a lot. But – and, and you talk to people close to Cole in Chapel Hill, and they will say, like, he is a worker, and he was a good teammate this year, even yeah. when he was hurt. He, he likes the gym. He's always in the gym. That's for sure. Were you shocked he came back and played after being hurt? Like, I didn't think his dad would let him come back and play. Yeah, I mean, if he never came back, he, I think he would be higher on the draft boards right now. Probably a little bit, but probably the same. The scouts, when they saw what they saw with him, they were like, all right, you know what? Can't shoot it great. Not a great athlete. Doesn't really make people better. Um, not, Things not, didn't seem to come easy is, for him Yeah, at this level, you know? Yeah, I, I think, again, it was a combination. Like, I, I think he's going to be a really good backup point guard in the NBA or a starter for a shitty team. I, I don't see him being a top 10 or 15 point guard in the NBA. I just don't. And that was the hype out of high school. I mean, oh, yeah. that's what people thought. His dad – listen, his dad got pissed off a couple of years ago when I tweeted out that James Wiseman would be that, – that if I could take anybody in high school, it would be Cole Anthony. But for the NBA draft, I'm taking James Wiseman number one every day at that point. Now, again, you could argue right now maybe an Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball if you want to. Uh, I, I'm, I'm probably – and it's so hard because, right, guards rule the NBA right now. So it's hard to justify taking a seven-footer with a number one pick. But this draft is so different. There's just no guy that you look at and you're like, all right, I know, I know what I'm getting out of him. I, I actually think – the safer pick of all this might be Obi Toppin. 
Yeah. No, he's going to – I mean, at the least, he's going to be a solid NBA player. I mean, he has all the tools. Yep. I, I, don't, I don't love any of them. Like, I, honestly, it's kind of like that year when, when Chris Grant of Cleveland took Anthony Bennett number one. You do not want the number one pick in this draft. Now, I don't think it'll be as bad as that. Oh, yeah. But, but everybody, everybody, was, everybody was scratching their head on that one. I, I'd rather have number two this year. Let somebody else make the pick, and, I, and I'll take number two, and I'll take a guy that doesn't have as much hype, too. Yeah, speaking of Obi Toppin, his brother is transferring yes. to Kentucky. Um, he didn't put staggering numbers up at Rhode Island. Oh, were you surprised by this move? What do you make of it? Well, Kentucky needs dudes, right? Okay. Uh, they need guys. And, <laughs> and, uh, my, Mike, you, you want to hear my conspiracy theory on this? Yeah, one? go ahead. Complete conspiracy theory. I have no, no proof of this whatsoever, but um, Worldwide West, as we know, is very close with Coach K, right? Yes. Uh, CAA signed Jacob uh, signed Obi Toppin. Could could this have been a little bit of a of, of hey you know what we got Obi uh, do me a favor Coach Cal can you take uh, his brother Jacob for me But do you see potential because I didn't get to see him play to be honest yeah. like is there Oh definitely yeah. yeah but I don't think he's gonna like he's not gonna be his brother you know okay. like I think he'll be a good piece and at least he gives them a guy that especially if the the one time transfer waiver kicks in in May and they vote on May 20th, you know, right. he gives the guy that's got a year experience because they're bringing in like six freshmen. They added Davion Mintz, uh, a grad transfer. They might get Matt Harms. If they don't get Matt Harms, like right now, again, I'm doing my top 25. I don't know how you can justify putting them in the top 20 right now. I, I don't because yeah. here's why. you got all these young dudes. And, oh, by the way, they're not going to be allowed on campus until September. Usually freshmen come in and in, in June in July and they hang out together and they develop chemistry and they hit the weight room and they get acclimated and all that, that's not going to happen this year. So these freshman laden teams are going to be at a major, major disadvantage this year compared to the Baylors, the Villanovas, the Gonzagas that have a, a huge core returning. Jeff, I mean, since you've been covering college basketball and we're talking about transfers, like it really got crazy recently. I mean, do you think something has to be done about it? What are your thoughts? So I started the list. I don't even remember what year it was. It had to be like 2008, maybe. I got to look back at the first year I did the transfer list. Um, and it was like 250 names. And I tell people, you know, part of the, part of the reason why it was lower, uh, I didn't call and text every school like I do now. Like I text, I, the last probably four or five years, I've texted somebody from every staff, from every school, to make sure I have everybody. So 250, that number. Has that made life busier for you? Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> every year, I'm like, why, why do I do this? But honestly, the reason that I did it, and I don't know the reason I do it anymore because we have a transfer portal now. So I could, I could get rid of it now and be okay. But the reason I started it and kept it going was because a kid came up to me uh, at Northeastern. One time I was covering a game at Northeastern, and a kid came up to me and thanked me for putting him on the list. He transferred from UT San Antonio, and Bill Cohn, the, the head coach at Northeastern, had never seen him play, literally saw him on my list, got him in, and he was very thankful to me for doing this list because he found a new spot. So I said, listen, if it can help out a kid. And back then, again, I was the only one doing it. I was the only one reporting on transfers for years. And now everybody's, you know, hounding these poor kids, including myself. Uh, and yeah. it's become kind of a mess. I, I don't – it's hard for me because um, 
on one hand, this, this one-time transfer waiver will could change college basketball a little bit. Um, but I like it for the kids because I think the kids uh, deserve to have the same opportunities other people have, and they shouldn't have to sit out if they don't want to for a year. But on the other hand, it's going to be bad for college basketball because the turnover on each team is going to be so high and the quality of play is going to be so shitty in November and December, especially when you have every team having, you know, half their roster is going to be new. It's already been bad. Let's face it, this past year, I don't know if it was the three-point line moving back or whatnot, uh, but I saw more damn rock fights than I've ever seen in college basketball. Yeah, it was crazy. I'm speaking of uh, they moved the three-point line back. And, Jeff, I wanted to know if you feel that there's any rule changes. You know, we talk a lot about off the court, but I'd like to talk about on the court a little bit. Any rule changes you'd like to see made for the NCAA game? You know, I was just talking to Jared Dudley yesterday, and he said he'd like to see everything be fairly consistent with college and the NBA. Yeah, uniform, because that's how it is in Europe, you know, and I would like to see that here as well. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind it either. You know, people are like, well, and we've gotten a 30-second shot clock now. Why not go to 24 in a couple of years? We move the three-point line back a little bit, move it back, maybe, you know, maybe three, five years away from that. But have a plan in place to eventually do it and have the same rules. I don't understand why people are trying to say, well, college players can't play with the same rule. That's bullshit. Of course they can. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Jeff, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Um, please let my listeners know. I want to know what you got behind you. What do you, what do you got behind you there? Oh, those are my uh, overseas jerseys, man. Really? Yeah. yeah. What are, go ahead. What are they? From where? Israel and Denmark. So you played in Israel? Yes. Where? Many years. Well, the biggest club was Hopewell Jerusalem, but I played in all – I played in three leagues over there, man. Did you really? Yes. Yes. You know, I've been I got, there. I got bar mitzvahed in Israel when I was 13. I have not been back since and wanted to go this year or next year with my parents. They're getting older. Really wanted to go and kind of do a family trip. My daughter's 16, so I don't know how many more years we're going to be able to have her to be able to go, all of us. And right. You should go, man. Yeah, but this year it's tough. I mean, can't go this summer, I don't think. Yeah, think no, I, and I've talked to people over there. They're – from what I heard, they're in a similar lockdown as well. Like, I've heard varying stuff, but when I talked to an old teammate, he told me that they can't leave uh, too far out of their where their house is, from what I understand. I don't know, man. No. What was your favorite place to go in Israel? Jerusalem is pretty cool, but there's an underrated place called Elat, which is by Egypt, and it's kind of like the Vegas, Miami of Israel. Really? Is yeah, it? yeah. And the food there is incredible. Like, and not the – I mean, the custom Israeli food is good, like the falafel and the shawarma. But yeah. this was, like, great Italian food. Really? You know, like, yeah. Like, it's a spot that nobody talks about because a lot of tourists from America don't go. More European tourists go. But it was a phenomenal How far place. is it? How far is it from, like, Jerusalem or Tel Aviv? Well, Tel Aviv, it's about a 45-minute flight, but I would say about a four- or five-hour car ride. It I is. would say, yeah. But it's a pretty cool place. And, yeah. and I, not a lot of people talk about it. Definitely underrated. I would love to get back over there. I mean, to me, again, like – People rip on me for a couple of years ago being sent to um, uh, to Lithuania to cover yeah. the, the ball. Did you, go, you went out there? Yeah, ESPN sent me out there, and I was the only one out there, and I was out there for like 10 days. And, yeah, it, it sucked having to deal with LeVar for 10 days, and it didn't go well at the end. It sucked. I'll, I'll, what, I'll, happened, what happened with ESPN, Jeff? It just didn't work out on, on both ends, to be honest. I, I wanted to do more studio. Uh, they didn't want to give me more studio. Um, they didn't have me report. They had me stand down on the on the whole NCAA FBI investigation. What we were talking about earlier, pretty much. 
they didn't want me to report on it. And I don't, I never got a straight answer as to why. Uh, so there were, you know, there, there were some things, but it was for the first four years, it was awesome. I mean, listen, when I, I was, was that the goal up, when you were going up through media? Hell no. I never thought I'd be on TV. Look at me. I was a writer. <laughs> you know, like I never in a million years thought I'd ever have the opportunity to work on at ESPN. Seriously. Cause you know, when I'm, when I was younger, like that wasn't the deal. You didn't have writers being on ESPN at that point. And, and then it kind of blew up and uh, more and more people did it. Yeah. So, you know, it was, listen, I'll still, I'll still say some of the greatest opportunities I ever had. I'm mean, covering the NBA draft, being on with Scott Van Pelt and Kevin Nagande, some of my closest friends uh, in the business and two guys I, I have the utmost respect for uh, doing games at Arizona where I went to school, uh, you know, doing a, a, a huge piece on Greg Oden. I mean, there was just so many cool things, but ESPN's kind of, it's political. Um, yeah, I have complete autonomy now at stadium to do kind of what I want, how I want, the way I want. And as you get older, uh, you're not my age, but you'll understand that when you get a little bit older, that that autonomy, especially when you have a family and, you know, you're looking at your phone as much as I am. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to be breaking news at 55 years old. Like, I don't want to be tied to my phone for that much longer. Like in a couple of years, I'm hoping that's kind of it. And I can do what I want and maybe write a book and, do more uh, long form stuff, whether it's on the air, off the air, whatever, and just kind of pick and choose what I really am passionate about rather than doing all this stuff and being on. Listen, again, it was, I, I remember the, the first year at ESPN, um, I didn't have anything in my house. I didn't have a, a studio or anything like that. So I remember the first time they called me first few times, it was like drive all the way to, to Bristol, Connecticut, which is about two and a half hours for me. To go no, where, where, where were you where were you residing i'm still in yeah north of wow Boston. okay so come up drive up and you're going to do one quick hit and it's going to like you're on for like two minutes and then i would drive home so it's like literally five hour drive to be on for like maybe two minutes sometimes like a minute and i did it a few times and i'm like oh this is the greatest thing ever like i don't care if i'm driving five hours i'm on sports center by like year two i'm like all right this is friggin' wearing me out yeah you know, it doesn't become old. You're still appreciative of it. Um, but but it's certainly a, a grind. And again, there's a lot of politics that go on there. There's some unbelievable people. And then there's some people that are obviously just fighting for themselves and, and just trying to move up. And they don't care about team. They just want to, uh, you know, move up. And I'm not going to mention any names. Uh, but I'm not, you, you know me, if you follow me, I'm not the most politically correct person. I will say what's on my mind. Uh, I, I don't generally hide my feelings very well. And sometimes that could get me in a little bit of trouble too. I think it's a good thing, Jeff. I, I just don't believe here. My biggest thing, my biggest gripe these days with the media is there's too many people right now that will sell out for information. And what I mean by that is if, if they can get a scoop, they're just going to regurgitate over and over and over and they're never going to say what they actually believe and they're never going to do the research to uh be able to to justify whatever opinion or position they're just going to regurgitate what but that can't be great to... in trying to build a reputation some people it works i mean again for me got you I, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna say what i believe and like i did a story last week on kids transferring up and uh, and i went through it and went through 50 players last year and literally had no idea what the numbers were going to be. I didn't know. And, and what you found out was of those 50 kids, um, 
almost, you know, most of them, the, the overall numbers were cut in half. If you transfer up a level and you go from the mid-major or low-major to the high-major level, the numbers were going to be cut from your, your average in about 12 points a game at the mid-major to about six points a game. I talked to three players uh, who went through it last year and played. So, you know, you, to me, you try to go into those things with an open mind and see what you get out of it rather than some coach tells you, oh, well, th this, is, this is what you should write. And you're going to – like, you don't go in that way. You, you get all the information and, and, to me, try to make an informed decision. Uh, and if you piss people off, so what? You piss people – if everybody likes you in this business, you're not doing a good job. You're not. No, I agree with you. No, for sure. I mean, I think that's how you build whatever you're doing. You just say what you believe, and uh, the people that connect with you will connect with you, and those who don't will probably still even uh, pay attention, you know? Yeah, they might hate you. You know, again, I, I have fun, too. I mean, I have fun with fan bases. I have fun with people on Twitter. I'll go back at them if they're knuckleheads or – you know, and, and if you listen, if, if you call me something creative, um, I got no problem, you know, retweeting that like to me, <laughs> you know, people that come at me, it's, it's people that come at me with the same old. What, so what, what do you feel is the biggest criticism of yourself? I don't know. I'm trying to think. You know, everybody says I'm biased, but you can't towards be biased. Towards the NCAA? No, towards like every school. Every school at okay. some point I'm biased against them because, you know, I've hammered Carolina. I've hammered Duke. Um, I've hammered Arizona, my alma mater. They, they hate me there. I mean, I had to check in under an assumed name once when I went there. Wow. The hotel. Uh, Kentucky fans got my home number here, so I had to change it years ago. Uh, it it doesn't matter who would – Michigan State hated me earlier this year because I wouldn't rank them in the top 25 because they didn't deserve it. Uh, so I, I think I've had it with – something with pretty much every major fan base in America at some point or another. Um, so I don't think I can be biased against everybody. I, I'm trying to think if there's one thing specifically. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I'm not sure what that would be. <laughs> Jeff, this was great, man. Um, please let my listeners know where we could find you. Yeah. I mean, at Goodman hoops uh, on Twitter, hopefully it's not too painful. Uh, to, to watch but again I like to have some fun and now the hardest part is I got my 16 year old daughter who all of a sudden was into sports the last year so she's on Twitter and following me oh, so wow. I have to be careful what I tweet you know like a year ago it didn't matter I could is that is that like in the back of your mind every time you tweet now yeah if I treat <laughs> bad I'm like oh she's gonna say something to my wife my wife's gonna know what I'm tweeting I'm gonna get an earful and, and, and again, you don't want to be a bad role model for your daughter. Um, 100%. She's, she's got a little bit of that in her, too, where she'll go back at people. And I wonder if it's because she's seen me. I think she had it before she got on Twitter. So I'm not going to take all the blame. But I don't think I helped the cause of, of trying to get her to be politically correct and think about things before she says them, before she tweets them. She's speaking her mind. She's speaking she her is, mind. She is. She is. You know, it's a little different when you're a 16-year-old, though, when when you're me and, and honestly and not arrogant at all, just like I'm, I'm already, you know, I'm already established in my career. 100%. 100%. Um, so it's a little bit different. Right. Uh, but yeah, so Goodman hoops uh, at stadium as well. I also do a couple podcasts, good and plenty podcast. Uh, do one with Bob Ryan. I'm hoping this week's podcast should be good. I'm trying to get the entire staff, uh, on Billy Donovan and his whole staff from the back-to-back -back national champion Florida Gators. That's a great team. So, 
That could be fun to hear some yeah. stories from those guys, how they got that team, because, you know, that team wasn't highly regarded at all. I mean, Noah couldn't catch the ball. I remember seeing him in high school. Couldn't catch the ball. Hortford was like a top 75 player, Lee Humphrey and Torian Green. Corey Brewer was actually the highest recruited of, of those guys. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, I really appreciate you taking your time, Jeff, and you're always welcome back on the show. Thanks for talk having soon. me and uh, stay in touch and we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to Combo's Court and big thanks to Jeff for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, let me know how you feel about this episode right in the comments section of your Apple Podcast app. Rate and review wherever you listen to Combo's Court and share this episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate it. Be on the lookout for episode 158. Combo out.